0: Welcome to Goodwill Talk. We're so glad you're here today. At Goodwill Talk, you'll get to know your pastors, hear answers to your questions, gain biblical perspective on things going on in the world, and most of all, grow in your love for Jesus and the Bible. Let's listen in to today's conversation.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Good Will Talk. This is Pastor Marcus Ortega, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Jessica Kilduff. Hey, Jess! Today's a good day. Yeah, it is.
0: Every day is a good day, but every day is is a good day. day? Particularly good.
1: It's five dollars sushi day.
0: At Shoprite. <laughs> at Shoprite. It's five dollars sushi. I can't, I can't sushi. lie. Matt likes the five, the sushi at Shoprite too. He five dollars
1: oh. sushi at Shoprite is the best sushi in the world. I mean, it's because of the price point. Like you can go get really expensive sushi and it's mind blowing, but right. five dollar box of sushi from Shoprite. That's that's a that's a good meal right there. Did you figure out what the deal is? Is it just a certain roll? It's certain rolls. Yeah, so you okay. can't go get like the really nice dragon roll for five right. bucks. That'd be that'd be insane. But you know, got a lobster roll and a spicy tuna roll waiting for me after we're done. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm
0: so happy for you.
1: Is there, is there a food thing for you where it's like, there's this, is it like a taco Tuesday type thing or something's cheap on a regular basis where you're like, that's the thing I look forward to? No, no. Cause you make everything from scratch.
0: Not to, my kids ate cereal this morning. As I was yeah. pouring them cereal this morning, <laughs> I was like, I should tell Marcos, he would be really happy that oh, they man. had kicks and Cheerios this That's morning great. for breakfast with no yeah. milk.
1: If you don't know uh, that reference, throw it back a couple episodes and you'll understand. Um, <laughs> Jess, we have a guest with us today. We do. We do. Kim Rodriguez is back with us. Welcome back, hey, Kim. It is good me to back. see you.
2: I appreciate it.
1: Um, all right, same question. Is there a food thing for you where you're like, when that's on sale, I get it?
2: No. Mm-mm. No, we just eat whatever and anything.
1: Oh man,
2: have you seen Jose eat? Like no, he's constant. He's <laughs> constant, and there's no discrimination. Oh <laughs> I mean, wow, oh, that's so <laughs> funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, he's we're the
2: easiest going on. We are that. three minutes into the episode
1: <laughs> and already Jose is far under the bus. That's
2: <laughs> no, bad. he's so easy. He's happy with whatever. He's so great. Oh
1: like man. That. So um, you are here today to um, help us talk about loving your family neighbors. So we're going to talk broadly a little bit about loving family, but really, um, more specifically, we're going to dive into the work that you do as a family support navigator with Oasis. And I'll let you explain what that is here in a second. But um, this is part of our regular conversation that we've been having all season about the two great commandments. And so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, Jess, do you have that open in front of Uh, of you? I
0: I don't have it open in front of me, but But it's give me a moment. I can produce it. You have a moment.
1: There it is. All right. Produced. Uh, Would you read our passage today? And then we'll dive in.
0: Sure. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. And that's Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40.
1: All right, so we have uh, tackled the first commandment. We spent quite a few weeks with that. Um, Last week, we introduced love your neighbor, talked about what it is to love your neighbor, who is my neighbor, talked about the the Good Samaritan. Um, This week, we are narrowing our focus to families, particularly families who may be struggling with addiction and navigating through... Um, the, all of the challenges that can be brought about by addiction. And so, um, I think Kim, great place to start would be just what is a family support navigator? Who is Oasis? Oh, okay. What are you doing?
2: Sure. So I work for a nonprofit organization in Goshen called the Alcoholism and Drug Abuse Council of Orange County, also known as ADAC, And I work under a grant through OASIS, which is the Office of Addiction Services and Supports in New York State. And so basically in 2016, when people realized we had an avalanche of overdose caused by the heroin addiction that was sweeping the nation, and now what's happening with fentanyl, OASIS decided, you know, family members really need care. They are the most crucial collaborators in getting their loved ones into treatment. Mm. And so they created this position called the Family Support Navigator. So my only responsibility is to advocate and walk alongside of individuals who have a loved one that's either struggling with alcohol use disorder or substance use disorder wherever they're at. So it could be a mom who calls who finds vaping um, paraphernalia in their child's room or they come home intoxicated from a party to um, a wife of 36 years who's been struggling with her husband's alcohol use disorder or a mom whose maybe son is still living in the home and has been struggling with heroin use. So,
1: so it's a, it's a wide variety mm-hmm. of, of situations and your yeah. job is to just walk with family members.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: mm-hmm. when, when you're doing this work, what are some of the, um, when, when you're working with a family,
2: mm-hmm.
1: no matter what situation they're in, what are some of the principles that you're immediately giving as kind of tools for the family members? Okay. Cause I know some could be more intense than, than others, but Abs-
2: absolutely. So when you are dealing with a loved one that is struggling to help someone with an alcohol or substance use disorder, the first thing you want to let them know is that there's they're not alone. You know, uh, when when you have somebody with uh, addiction or is struggling with alcohol, you know you're a The family member, the loved one, tends to become very isolated. There's still a lot of stigma and shame around it, so they don't talk about it. So they're very much isolated and alone a lot of times. So you want to let them know that they're not alone, you know, that there is help out there for them. Um, And then we start to get into the nitty-gritties, which is, you know, you didn't cause this you know, um, you love them enough, you were kind enough, you helped them enough, you did all of these things. We talk about um, guilt. What is appropriate guilt? What is inappropriate guilt? What does a boundary look like? Um, How do you listen well? And I think, uh, Pastor Marcos, you were privy to a book that Jose and I gave you, Listening Well by William Miller. Yeah. William Miller, I'm sorry. And uh, there's a lot of key points in that book. Uh, You know, there's a lot of roadblocks to how do you listen well? And one of the roadblocks is is we're always offering suggestions. Well, did you try this? Well, did you do that? (laughs) And so I begin to engage them on what are positive communication skills? How do you listen well? You know, what does that look like when, Addiction, alcohol use has entered your home because when it's entered your home, it has now twisted everything and distorted it. All the family rules, everything. And so,
1: so um, there's, I know there are other support groups out there, uh, like Al Anon, mm-hmm. um, or is, is the work that you're doing with Oasis, is that connected to Al Anon, Alatine? Is that a resource that you use? Like, mm-hmm. h- how do you approach those kinds of uh, support groups that are out there?
2: So here's the thing, there is so much support out there, and so a lot of times a family member will come to me and they'll say, okay, if we just get them into treatment, if we just get them into rehab, and so here's what we're not thinking about down the road. You send your loved one into treatment, they come back 30 days later, and a lot of family members think, okay, that's good, we're done. No, you're not done. It's just the beginning. There's a whole discharge protocol. They've been maybe called to go to therapy once a week, intensive outpatient treatment three times a week. Maybe they've been asked to and highly recommended to go to AA or NA. And so what does the family care and treatment look like? Is their family treatment Is there a family therapist that's going to get involved? And I highly, highly encourage individuals, start attending Al-Anon, open AA meetings, open Narcotics Anonymous meetings, and begin to build yourself your own support group. Because for many years, just like the person who has the alcohol or drug problem, their main focus has been on drinking or using uh, substances. And so that same effort needs to go into their recovery. Same for the family. They need their own support structure. So yes, highly, highly recommended. And here's the thing. If you are concerned, um, maybe you're embarrassed or ashamed, uh, do it virtually. You know, Go right. to Celebrate Recovery. There's there's so many different meetings out there that you can attend. I host a a meeting once a month. It's on the first Thursday of every month via Zoom. You can reach out to me. I'll give Marcos and Pastor Marcos and Jess my information, and you can reach out to me. But um, it's called Circle of Hope, and we talk about all these different topics. And so there is support. And you can attend
0: totally anonymously there. You don't have to turn on your camera. No. Right? You don't have to say
2: anything. Don't have to say anything. You don't even have to turn on the camera. But here's the thing. And this is what I would encourage all of the listeners is that you cannot recover alone. Right? Recovery is with community. Right? And so the only way to really get a hold on this and the only way that we, meaning uh, the individuals that I work with in the field, all of your pastors, all of the leadership at Goodwill Church, we can't help unless you're honest and transparent and so what happens is, is we become shameful or pride gets in the way and you know what that is? That's just the enemy wanting to keep you in your place so that Ultimately, you can't be effective for the gospel, right, when you're so caught up in all of this, right?
1: So um, <laughs> when, when, we, when we think of families who are struggling with this, they're okay. walking with a loved one, mm-hmm. they want to help. They want to love them well. They want to do the things that are going to to demonstrate love. But well, I that's, think
2: that's that's not exactly true because a lot of people are very resentful and angry. Okay, that their loved one is behaving like this, quote unquote.
1: Does that resentment or anger come from a place of love, or are they kind no. of just tossed love out in this situation? Or are they just
2: sick and tired? They're sick. At some some people are like, I'm done. Like. You know, you've been in jail, 15 rehab, like, I'm done. I'm Mm -hmm. tired of this. And so sometimes, especially as Christians, you know, we look at substance use as a moral failing. It's not a moral failing. It's a rewiring of your brain. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have a lot of resources that I offer people, videos to watch and things that will explain what's going on and we need to become very knowledgeable I had a woman on the phone with me the other day and she was talking about her husband and she said well you know he went he goes to work every day and you know he's never raised his voice to me and and you know he's not a falling down drunk well he doesn't have to be a falling down drunk right you know substance use You know, it it does have a scale, but you really need to look at substance and alcohol use as, you know, how is it interfering with their lives? You know, are they able to hold a job? How is their social life? How is their physical health, their mental health? Are they using it as a coping skill? You know, oh, things aren't going right. I'm stressed. Oh, I'm going to smoke a little weed and have a few drinks, you know.
1: So uh, there's, there is a difference um, between those who may have a drink socially and those who have a disorder here and, and Mm -hmm. family members are at the basically front row seat to be able to tell when that shift has happened. So what are some of the things that they should be looking for? There's the coping mechanism, but what are some signs that, oh, this isn't just this person likes to have a drink. This Mm -hmm. is somebody who actually is struggling with substance abuse disorder.
2: Well, if I have a minute, I can take a minute and just kind of go through a little spectrum here. Yeah, let's do it. So there's abstinence, right? Abstinence is I don't drink, I don't use drugs, I don't do that stuff. I'm an athlete or I'm a musician or I'm just not into it, whatever reason, or I had a parent who was an alcoholic, it keeps me fearful, whatever, so I'm just abstinent. And then there's non-problematic use. I'm going to go to my cousin's wedding. I'm going to have a drink and then I'm not going to drink again for six months. Or I'm going to go out with my girlfriends and I'm going to have a glass of wine at dinner. And then, you know, I don't know, five months go by. Then there's abuse. And abuse is, listen, if you've gone to college and you were part of a frat, that's abuse, right? It's a time period. A lot of binge Um, drinking, stuff like that. A lot of binge drinking going on. Um, It's when you maybe have a death of a loved one, something has happened in your life. Maybe you, um, COVID has hit and now you're unemployed or you're working from home and you're isolated. Maybe uh, you get fired from your job unexpectedly, you know, something has happened and all of a sudden you're a little off the rails, you're drinking, or maybe you're smoking weed, or maybe you're doing a little coke, or you're doing something to cope, right? And then you, let's say you've always been a great student, and all of a sudden you're failing a class. You're like, so now you're your value system and your behaviors are not aligning. And all of a sudden, you're kind of snapping too, right? This is a temporary period. Or maybe somebody has come alongside of you. Maybe one of your girlfriends said, hey, I know your mom just died. I'm, I'm really concerned about the way you're handling your grief. I see you drinking. You're not taking care of yourself. I saw your kids get on the bus. And, you know, things aren't right. Mm-hmm. What, what can we do? We love you. What can we do to help you? Love your neighbor, right? Being honest and putting yourself out there, right? So, those three stages abstinence, ab- uh, non problematic, abuse, those are fluid. So, now mm. I maybe have gone through a really hard time and I've had a conversation. I'm like, okay, I'm abstinent. I'm not drinking for a while. Sure, I gotta pull yeah. myself together. Oh, I'm at my niece's baby shower six months later. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm good. Everything's fine, right? Those are fluid. You can roll. Then we cross the line to addiction. And now what happens is our value system and our behaviors, remember before we realized, wow, my behavior is not aligning with my my value system.
1: And that actually snaps you out of the abuse. Right, yeah, you
2: start,
0: right. Right, or you're like, having, right, you make a correction. You're like, oh, I didn't realize wow. I had let it slip that bad. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, let me pull myself together. And you're back in it. Yeah. You know, you're back in your life. But now you cross over the line to the addiction. And now you begin to justify all of your behavior to um, match what you're doing. You know, you justify. And now you begin to move the marker. Things that you would have never done before. You would have never left your kids home alone. You would have never not paid your bills. You would have never, you know, you've taken your money to use them for drugs. And so now you begin to move the line. Maybe when your friend came over to say, hey, I'm really concerned about you, you would have never spoken to them that way. So now you begin to move that line. And so what happens is, is when you cross over into the addiction, you're no, I'm no longer speaking to you, Jess. I'm now speaking to your alcohol or your substance use. And guess what? Because it's taken over. It's taken over. Yeah. And guess what? It's going to say anything and do anything to get you out of the way. Mm -hmm. Get me out of the way because it doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Right. And so, this is what some of the things you want to look for. Who are your kids hanging out with? You know, like, did they switch a friend group and all of a sudden their whole, you know, the way they're dressing, the way they're approaching you, or they're locking themselves in their room? You know, there's all kinds of signs. As a matter of fact, um there is evidence that shows that, you know, you can predict as early as the age of 10, a child who is potentially going to wind up with an alcohol or substance use disorder. Really? Because of the environmental, mental health factors, things that are going on in the family unit. Yes, very interesting research is coming out about all of that.
1: So when... When a family member starts to see somebody move from that uh-huh. cycle of abuse to you know, non-problematic, the, that struggle that people sometimes find themselves in, right. moving beyond that to addiction, what are some mistakes that you've seen when families are trying to um, help their loved one navigate this? What are some missteps that families should be aware of?
2: Well, so you said the very first one, which is you've already seen the signs of abuse. Okay. And nobody's saying anything. Oh, they're just going through a really hard time. Right. You justify. Yeah. Or you're not even paying attention because you're so wrapped up in your own social Mm. media and in your own life, or you don't want to deal with it because you've got your own stuff going on, Mm -hmm. you know? And so here's the, you know, here's the question for our country, which is a huge question. You know, you've got two brothers sitting in a nurse's office. And the one brother has, you know, very clear signs that physically something is going on with them. So you take them to the doctor, you get them blood test, and you realize, oh, wow, they have diabetes. So now everybody's, they get medication, they go to the nurse's office, maybe they get some counseling for it, and they're in the guidance office. And then the brother who's in the nurse's office as well also has some issues going on and maybe he's got a little ADHD or he's not sitting in the chair and he doesn't do his homework and there's some stuff going on with mom at home and all this stuff and what do we do we send them to special schools and we get them involved with the same kids that are having the same problems and so we don't deploy the appropriate resources prior what about getting him some help as well what about allowing him to talk about what's going on and maybe getting him on some appropriate medication or not? And uh, But we don't do that in the United States. You know, We wait until we've already got abuse going on, right? We don't deploy the appropriate resources. Listen, over 500 people a day are dying. 266, this is a 2020 statistic. 266 individuals a day die from alcohol use. Wow. And the balance is overdose from heroin and fentanyl. And now you've got meth coming up. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are not deploying our resources appropriately. And we want to say, oh, not our kids. Oh, no, not my husband. Mm -hmm. Oh, none of that. Yes. Look around you. There's four of us sitting in the room right now. Here. Here's the statistic, and I gave it to you, I think, the last time. One in four over the age of 12 have a diagnosable, that is a DSM diagnosis for an alcohol and substance use disorder. Wow. Disorder. So one in four. And so what are we doing here? We're not talking about it. We need to be talking about it. Listen, the country is riddled with stuff, but we are using alcohol and drugs to cope.
1: Mm. Well, and, and so we saw a spike in alcohol and drug use during COVID, right? Has that come back down now that things are becoming more normal or is that stayed I don't, up where it was? I
2: don't, I don't have the statistic on that, but I can tell you that the overdose has been incredible and continues to be incredible because of fentanyl.
1: Well, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about um, especially... Teens and substance use. Um, when parents find, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, vaping paraphernalia, or their their teenager comes home okay. inebriated, mm-hmm. um, what are some ways that parents can handle this? I mean, there's there's overreacting, there's underreacting. Yeah. So what's the what's the right way to approach a teenager right. in this kind of a situation?
2: Well, you wanna you wanna talk with them, and so one of the things that I discuss at length is positive communication skills. And so you want to make sure your tone is in check, right? Because there's a way to say no, and then there's a way to say no, right? Right. So you want to keep your tone in check. The next thing you want to do is you want to make sure that it's the appropriate timing. So maybe you are upset and overwhelmed and you haven't eaten or drank your coffee and you're running out to go to work or you're just coming in from work that's that probably not the time is not <laughs> the time to have a
0: conversation right. with your team or anybody right and and they're under the influence right <laughs> like just that's and you never
2: ever want to have a conversation with somebody who's not lucid right yeah. you know, if they're under the influence just yeah it's forgetting. not gonna be productive no wait it's it not out. gonna be yeah here's the other thing be brief be very brief because mm. what happens lengthy communications tend to be a turnoff, right? And so all of a sudden you're having this conversation and now you're bringing up things from three months ago or six months ago or whatever. And the next thing you know, you're emotionally hijacked. You're And especially, like, let's say it's for the mom, you know, and the mom's having this conversation. And the next thing you know, you're screaming lunatic, right? Mm -hmm. And what's your kid doing? Your kid's looking at you like, yeah, of course I'm going to go drink and smoke weed because you're a psychopath, (laughs) right? And so we want to maintain. So we have to be very deliberate and intentional. And then the next thing is you want to be very specific. There's a difference with saying, you know, I just want you to be happy and live a good life to saying something like, you know what, I'm really concerned about your behavior because I know how much co- I know how important college is to you right. and I see your grades are slipping. How can I help you, sweetheart? I'm really concerned about this, right? And one of the most important things is you don't want to be like, oh, what are you going to be, a druggie now? Oh, you and all your loser friends. You know, we want to be as positive as possible And when I say be as positive as possible, we want to leave all the name calling out. And we're very quick to do that, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know, is to start pulling out. Look for the positive. You know, Um, I'm really uh, impressed with how you do handle things. And so I'm really concerned that all of a sudden things are changing for you. Right. What's going on? And we don't know what's going on. Maybe, maybe they're getting bullied, or maybe there was a sexual assault incident. Like think, things happen, right? Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about it. And and here's the thing: if you don't know what to do, pick up the phone, call your pastor, mm-hmm. call ADAC, call the Alcoholism and Drug Abuse Council in Orange County. We have all kinds of programs. We have um, peer recovery advocates who can come in and walk alongside. There's me, I can advocate for any of the family members as well and talk with you and give you an incredible amount of resources. Um, We have a program called Teen Intervene. We have prevention specialists on staff that can also talk to you. So there's tremendous resources.
1: Do you know if there are... All free, um, it's all free. Do you know if there are kind of um, similar organizations in Dutchess and in Ulster? Um just thinking of the the other branches that we have.
2: Sure. So we have like Arcad down in Rockland. I'm not quite familiar with Duchess. Mm-hmm. Um, Sullivan. So I work, my area is Orange, Rockland, Sullivan and Putnam County. Okay. So if you're living in that, in those areas, you know what, or even if you're living outside of those areas, just call me. I will get you connected.
1: Okay. Right. Okay. So even if so, if you're listening and you attend in New Paul, so you attend in Beacon, you're in those counties. Yep. Still, uh, we're gonna have in the show notes uh, contact information for you, Kim. We'll we'll throw your email address up. Sure. Um, and so that way people can reach out and Absolutely. know that they're gonna be connected to to resources. Sure. One of the things that was interesting in what you were saying a minute ago. Is the importance of um, strong communication skills, Mm -hmm. listening well, communicating briefly. It strikes me that that's important, not just when substance use is included, but that's just, you know, that's part of the family system and loving each other well. So how can families start practicing that now so that when something like substance abuse is introduced in situation, they're already practiced at it? So
2: hopefully substance and alcohol use won't be introduced because sure. there are positive communication skills there's an open line of communication.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that when you're talking like you can't start this at 14 when there's a problem. It needs to start when they're little right. little little but that it, this is just how we've always talked with each other and yeah. been open with each other. And
2: what and what's the expectation level? Listen, you know, if you go to a party, sweetheart, and you drink or you're feeling pressure to drink, Throw me under the bus. Oh, oh my, my mother's so annoying. I always told I my to go. I home. always
0: told my stepson because it's even easier when you're a stepmom. I'm like, just tell. I said you can. You know, I'm supposed to be the evil one. Yeah. I said if you ever need to get out of there, my stepmother's coming to get me. I'm so mad. I'm like, I will come and throw a scene. Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. I'm so. I said I will totally cover for <laughs> you. I said you just text me that you need me, and I'm there.
2: So here's one of the problems, um, in in our society. Which is, well, at least they're drinking in my home. People oh, yeah. become I've, I've heard very of that. Yeah. well aware of the social host law. There's a very strong, you know, Steve yeah. Newhouse is a very huge advocate of this. The social host law is no, you do not serve alcohol to minors in your home right. because you think that they're gonna be safe. No, they're not safe. You're 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 providing alcohol to minors. It's against the law. Right. Don't do it. Um, I think parents need to know the difference between appropriate guilt and inappropriate guilt. And what is a boundary? Mm. You know, how do you set a boundary and how do you feel comfortable saying no? You know, how do you... No is a complete sentence. It's okay to feel comfortable. That's one guilty. of my favorite things that you say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, I, hey, listen, I'm I'm a parent, right? I, I don't want my kids to not like me. But guess what? I'm... I'm their biggest advocate. I I have walked down the road before. It's okay for them not to like me for a little while because I have their best at heart. What is the boundary here? What is the expectation level? You know, what am I what am I looking for? And how do I communicate that clearly? And today's society, you know, here's the thing: text messaging. It's not for communication; it's for information. Right. Be home by six. We're having chicken for dinner. That's mm-hmm. information, right? Communication isn't. You know, people don't know how to talk to each other anymore. And so, how do we do that? You know, and how is how do we as the church um, remind our congregants of that? Slow down. Have a meal. Put your phone down. It's not that important. The person sitting across from you, your child, your your spouse, your parent, your friend, whoever that is, that's more important. The relational piece is much more important. We need each other. The world has turned upside down and mm-hmm. we are suffering the effects of that. But even prior to COVID, you know, alcohol and substance use, it's it's a tool, a major right. tool of the enemy. Mm. So
1: Well, thank you, Kim, for being with us. Um, Thanks for having me. We want to make sure that people know that if if you have more questions, if you need more resources, um, please check the show notes. You can reach out to Kim, um, and she'll be happy to provide you with whatever information you you need. And uh, even if you just need to talk, um, check out that Circle of Hope group. And, uh, you know, hopefully... The the resources that we present here, this is very introductory. There's a lot more that's out there, and Kim will be able to help you navigate that. So, uh, thank you for being with us today on today's episode of Goodwill Talk, and we will see you again next week.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like our show, please leave us a five star rating, write a review, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Check out our episode notes for links to our church website and any resources shared on this episode. Editing and sound design by Jeff Dematti. Marco Ortega wrote this episode. Our executive producers are Mike Antonucci, Jeff Dematti, and Tracy Johnson. Your co-hosts are Pastor Marcos Ortega and Jessica Kilduff. A special thanks to Goodwill Church for supporting this show so we may provide it to you, our listeners, for free. Let's talk again next week.